0: Post your free job on linkedin.com/slash people today.
2: In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to Blackburn. Look ahead to Sheffield Wednesday and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is why like Borough Master Chatter in a pod.
0: want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy, it's the track I
3: don't know
2: they're coming alive again. Janinho wants the ball played to him. And
3: spot's out. Emerson!
2: Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dinner and Tom. We're the Borough Podcast that gives you all the Borough Master Chatter in a podcast. And it was another defeat for Bora. our winless run goes on and we sit at the bottom of the championship table after a defeat against Blackburn Rovers uh, yesterday at Ewood Park. Uh, Guys, as always, now the one key takeaway from yesterday's game and also the international break as well. Dana, what is your one key takeaway?
1: My one key takeaway is that tempo is really important. I think Borough yesterday and, to be honest, this season have been really poor in the pace of the game and, A lot of our games this season so far, you can probably say that we've been slow. Like, you ask 50 or 100 people from that game yesterday, immediately after the match, to give you their their review of it. Amongst many other things, they'll probably say that Borough were just too slow. I think teams can have that slow pace to a game, but I think, crucially, it's knowing when to speed things up. And Borough, it took them going two goals down to do that yesterday. And that's just really, really frustrating. So... Yeah, a far cry from the team of last season. And um, yeah, tempo, really, really important.
2: Tom, what's your one key takeout?
3: My one key takeout is the Tuesday's game against Sheffield Wednesday is now very, very important, I think, in terms of morale. There were points during that game yesterday where I was thinking, if we can go on and you know snatch a winner here or, or get something out of it, that could potentially be the thing that we needed to lift spirits a little bit and just raise the confidence because I think what we're suffering from now is just like a real kind of lack of confidence in what, what we're doing. I think that's really kind of summed up by when La- Laff broke through one-on-one and took that extra touch and, and lost the ball yesterday. Mm. If you got the the confidence to take that shot on, there was a shot there towards the far corner where you could have placed that and goes 2-2 and anything could happen. But I didn't think yesterday we looked as bad with the basics as, as we have in previous games. However, the longer this run goes on, I think we are going to suffer in, you know, not taking our chances or, you know, not playing that key pass when when it should be played. As has just mentioned there, it took us two goals to to really wake up. And then I, I think after that We did actually look more threatening, especially after we scored that that goal to bring it back to 2-1. Playing it through the channels and playing it in front of players, we looked very direct and attacking at at that point. But I I feel like, and I don't really like singling about, but when Rodgers and Silvera came on, a lot of their game was kind of aimed at, at running at people, but they didn't look like they knew where to go. And again, I think that comes down to confidence. I think a confident player goes around the outside or, or, you know, cuts inside away from a player and, and is able to kind of play that pass. And I, f- I feel like that really kind of harmed us in, in terms of the, the build-up. So I, I think, let's say, it, it is coming down to confidence uh, a lot now. If we can get a get a win against Sheffield Wednesday on Tuesday, I'm sure they're going to be looking at it the same way as well. Then potentially that might give us the confidence to uh, you know at least go into Southampton on next Saturday and and play our game and and you know look a little bit better for doing it.
2: Yeah, and just on when you were saying there on like a laugh going through and then that one really good touch, then the second touch was horrendous. I was like, if you could sum up how Middlesbrough are right now, <laughs> that was probably that. You know, there's some good moments that we have. You'll see like maybe a couple of good combinations creating chances, not putting them away. Like, I don't know, we, we just have good moments and then there's some times where I think, yeah, you know, we've, we've been training at Clown College like all summer and just like, I just don't know how it, we've got to the point that we have. We are frustrating to watch at the moment. I think, Dan from Robert's from chat messaged me and said, good God, like, you are the most frustrating team and I don't even support you. And I was <laughs> like, well, yeah, how do you think I feel? There's so much we can improve on. I think you're right, Tom. There's definitely a, a confidence thing there. You've got to try and get that first win and hopefully kickstart your season. And you never know. Like, and I know I, I spoke about it previously, but our underlying numbers are still good, but the league table is still bottom. And we need those numbers to start coming good because... As time goes on and those underlying numbers get bigger and bigger and we start to underperform more and more, it will need us to massively overperform in games on a consistent basis like we did last year. We exceeded all like realms of, of possibilities for a majority of the of the last part of the, the season. And it was probably the best and worst thing to happen at Borough because we were just so good and it was electric and also we were outperforming every metric we had. So over time... You know, obviously we, we balanced it out but right now it's kind of like well we're a bit too far away from we should be we technically if you look at underlying numbers on goal difference we should actually be third which is actually quite funny but obviously we're not we're, we're bottom of the league we we're massively underperforming the goal scoring we're massively underperforming the goals against as well so yeah it's it's a difficult moment i'm frustrated i think like every other fan at the moment and Just got to be better. We've just got to be be better in terms of, like you said, their basics, like you said, their tempo. We spoke about speed on this podcast for a few times now and how the game is is all around speed, really, in terms of decision-making, trying to play with tempo, all that kind of stuff. I think Carrick has tried to play like a a slow possession-based system this year to kind of mitigate us getting caught on the transition, but we've kind of lost our attacking threat because of that because it was very gung-ho. And then midfield-wise, we just look really poor and it's just a kind of as tony Mulbray famously once said it is what it is um we have <laughs> wednesday uh against Sheffield Wednesday is absolutely massive but should we talk about the game then because we did make changes bangura came in and and so did O'Brien for the debut Crooks came back at the side soda vandenberg and marcus fast no Lucas angle all missed out entirely got b2-1 bottom of the league you know setting up in that same uh, four two three one, and O'Brien was on that left hand side, which I thought was really interesting. But Dana, how was the atmosphere yesterday? Yeah, so you were there, you know, with, with Dave, and I mean, how was it? Yeah, because it, it it was atmosphere good, nervy, frustration. What what was the uh, everything like?
1: The atmosphere was reflective of the performance. Like, if Borah don't give the fans something to get excited about, then they're not going to get excited, and it's as simple as that. And for the majority of that game, they didn't give us anything to shout about. And the atmosphere was crap because of it, because Borough were crap. And I think it's rather indicative of Borough's fall-off that in the second half the fans were sarcastically chanting, We scored a goal. I don't know if that came up on the on the streams, but that kind of self-deprecating chanting from the stands is never a good sign. So yeah, it you know what? I said to you before the game, didn't I, Johnny, that I wasn't excited. It's not really to do with Borough, because I I don't get excited for a lot of things until afterwards, which is very strange, but yeah, I just went there and thought let's see what we can do after the international break, and I always find it's really frustrating to a degree, even worrying, that we could come out after the international break with a similar poor performance as going into it, because in the first half, Borough, were were really bad, we'll get onto it, but we were, we were really poor and the crowd kind of reflected that and it was a it was a massive shame the, the plus point of the trip was the egg mayo sandwiches in the car on the way back which i know that you absolutely hate me and tom love our egg sandwiches it's on, in the car
2: um it's i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry not in a car it's like it's up there with fish. You know, if someone's oh, don't fish do then, the egg I, dirty I wouldn't group like them that. together. That
1: is no, not, no, I mean, no, I'm not having that.
2: If someone no, but my point is, if someone's making fish in the microwave at work, that is horrendous behaviour. I think an egg meal sandwich in a car, where there's you know maybe poor ventilation, I think it's up there.
1: Hey, World has gone. Hey. World has gone. No,
2: I'd say it's a bad sandwich. It's a nice sandwich, but it's not in a car. Anyway, sorry, you go on you were saying, I guess. Yeah.
1: That was that yeah, that was the point. The egg mail on, on the way back was the highlight of, of the game. Blackburn is slowly getting up there with Orkwell, I think. If last season didn't happen and we didn't win, then I would probably put Ewood Park in the please delete this stadium off the footballing map. Thank mm. you.
2: Yeah. I've never seen a score at uh, Ewood Park either, so I'm glad I didn't go yesterday. <laughs> Tom, uh, look, another defeat. How would you assess things? Dana was saying that there hasn't been too much improvement. Do you echo the, the same things there?
3: Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, like I said earlier, I don't think we were as bad with the basics yesterday. I didn't notice as many passes going two yards behind people. <laughs> that's not to say that they weren't played slightly behind at times. It was very much reflective of the, uh, the Rugby World Cup that's going on at the moment because there were kind of side to side and very much in line with players rather than in front of them. It did seem like we were a little bit better with that, a little bit more positive in the second half. But really, there's there's still, I mean, there's still work to be done. But like you say, we've got underlying numbers there that say we are actually creating chances and stuff. We just need to stick some of them away. I feel like if, if, we, if we'd have done that yesterday, we might be looking at it thinking, right, it wasn't a perfect performance, but at least we've got something from it. With what happened yesterday, the main gripe for me at the moment is so are defending. And I just I, I don't understand why we're so bad at it and conceding such poor goals all the time. Because you, you're looking at a, a defence where the centre-defensive partnership of Fry and Lenihan would get into a lot of teams in the Championship. We've got an ex-Real Madrid, England international centre-back on the coach and staff. And as was the case when he was manager himself, we still can't organise a defence. And it, it's so frustrating given the quality that we have in, in terms of defensive players and coach who's been there and done it all in his career. And we can't organise ourselves. And it's even the same where Tommy Smith, who's got a lot of experience, comes into the defence. We still weren't great at defending last season. I feel like if we just resolve that issue, gain a little bit more solidity, it might give us more of a chance. But for me, in terms of doing the basics, that's where we're stuck at the moment. And I think as soon as we resolve that, that's going to give us much more of a base to build from.
1: I really do think that we could benefit from having a sitting midfielder because Borough are getting transitioned on really easily there was so many times yesterday where from the crowd I just kept hearing too easy too easy it took Blackburn about four or five passes to break through and to breach our defence and suddenly be bearing down on our goal that is so poor and it's so simplistic as well and I just think that if Bora are going to pile men forward in the way that we do I do think there has to be that extra protection that we didn't have last season because we do not have the attack of last season. We are not effective or as effective last season. And I just think that if we have that sitter, it, it listen, it won't solve every problem. But I just think to try to stop the or reduce the leakiness that we have, it might go somewhere. So kind of advocating for four three three at this point in terms of off the ball and, and defending attacks. But we don't really have the profile of player there, I don't think, f- to be a sitter, really. So I know we were linked with Frank Onyeka last season, weren't we? It's a shame that I think it was Norgard that got injured and then that scuppered it because, I mean, he could be here now. You never know. Somebody like him in midfield, like a kind of midfield destroyer, might go somewhere. It won't go the whole way to solving the problems, but just might give us that extra protection when we're being transitioned on, which we see quite frequently and it's far too easy for teams to do so.
2: I think just from what you're both saying there, like for me, like and Tommy, you mentioned earlier on the defence. I think the defense's problem is because of the midfield. And I think I there's a, so much, there's so much space between, so when we go forward, the space between our defence and our midfield is quite big. So then what happens is we overcommit and then some will get an exception transition two people are already in that nice little space between the lines as, as you will and then you're able to to get out of that press and, and go for it and i think they do get exposed quite a lot but interestingly when you say about the and like technically we've we've play, we play with double pivot really in a four-two-three-one, the idea is you've got a six at the back and you, you attack with four and that is kind of like how you could try and balance it or you could play like a 5-5 five, five in terms of five defensive players five attacking players gives you a nice bit of balance doesn't really feel like that at the minute doesn't really feel as balanced and i feel like the midfield is probably which was quite funny last year was probably our best part of the, the team but now we've just seemed to have completely lost that way I would but it was like our best part
1: it was our best part because the players in front of them were also effective. So it's like, we the facts are that we do not have the same players as last season. We do not have the same attack. And I do think things might have to be and probably should be tweaked to enable a much better defensive structure. Because I completely agree, and we've mentioned it quite a few times in this podcast, that there are so many runs being made off Hackney and Howson, And in possession, I think they're brave. I think they're not, like, in possession, it's not their weakness. Their weakness is off the ball. And I don't know. It's, it's weird at the moment, isn't it? Because Carrick, I think it's very clear he doesn't know what his best team is. And I think what we have to say within that is that this is Carrick's first full season as a manager. Expectations mm-hmm. were skewed massively from last season. We did not expect that to happen last season. I remember when Carrick was appointed and I was like, and? Like, he's not exciting me like it's it's kind of an appointment where it's very unknown and he raised those expectations and now they've stuck but the facts are that Carrick is still a very inexperienced manager and these little issues are going to arise whereby you're looking at the team the selections the emission of McGree for example and think there is a bit of managerial inexperience at play here yeah, we just need to ride through it, but it's frustrating, and I think pressure will mount on him if if results continue.
2: Yeah, and just on the point that you mentioned there on like the the runners, an attacker is only as good as a midfield. Is mid the midfield is only as good as defense, and you know, all the way through all of it. So it's like defense is only goes midfield, etc. And you know, I think when you when you do have a like a, a missing cog in the wheel, then that's kind of how things tend to really fall apart it's such a test and learn type game really isn't it i think you've got to try things and if it comes off great if it doesn't you've got to go back to the drawing board and unfortunately you're in an industry where you probably don't get time anymore whereas maybe you're probably talking <laughs> maybe about 10 years 10 15 years ago you were people who were in charge for like five six years and they would have a really good period and then would change on the next thing but now it's a bit different we <laughs> also, also you're saying that they though, like First year management, we've lost a lot of players that were really good quality. I think now when you're looking at Akpom and, and Archer and where Giles is now and where Ramsey's at as well, and probably Alex Mo as well. We I know he's at West Brom, but good good players in and, in and around the group and also the quality that we've kind of lost and we've had to bring in new players on a budget. And it's not like and I always get this thing where oh well, Kieran Scott's rubbish, but and all this kind of stuff. But he gets a budget from the top, right? This gets passed down to him. He's got a budget for like the playing staff and the coaching and team and all that kind of stuff, and have to, it has to balance at some point. So we really don't know what our budget was this year. We've had to probably play within that to get how many players we need to and then try to sell them on as well. So then sometimes the quality might not always be as, as good and you are paying for potential at some point sometimes. And I can see some glimpses of really good stuff right now it's like we, we we desperately need that win I think it, 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 but I do, I do I do think though if we get one win we'll get a second win and then a third win and then like a fourth win and it'll just start to the wheels will start to get in motion again and we'll we'll go a bit further up the table and I think we'll have the setbacks but As long as you know, hopefully mid mid table by Christmas, I'm all right. I'm all right by that.
1: Yeah, just to just to to add to a point that you just mentioned there, as crap as Borough are right now, like we are playing poorly, we are, and the results are are really poor as well. Crazily, it doesn't feel like we're a million miles away from being somewhat okay. You know, we've been in the championship for I think thirteen of the last fifteen seasons we all know what this division is like and we all know how quickly things can turn and change and I'm not trying to blow away or ignore and be blissfully ignorant to how poor we have been, but we all know that these are the very basics and I'm just hoping that with time these can be ironed out and as frustrating as it is right now, I do think there will be a point where things will kind of sort itself out to a degree so maybe that's just me being naive but that's just what I believe and um yeah yeah, I'm hoping that that's the case anyway that things will sort themselves out and that the performances will be more reflective of like the data for example but right now it is absolutely frustrating yeah I'm tired Mm. I have tiredness in my eyes from watching Middlesbrough um it's just doom and gloom at the moment isn't it but I think things will will turn and change for the better.
2: Yeah, I hope they do as well. I think there's the one glimmer of hope that I have is that we create plenty of chances. Like bad teams don't create chances like at all. And they they, they give a load away. Whereas we create loads, we don't give much away. But then when we do give stuff away, it's really stupid stuff. And then we just get con- we, we concede. And like that's where we kind of we we have we have those problems. But we obviously had an international break now and it's they've had time to Maybe go on the training ground, relax a little bit, you know, have a pina colada, do whatever they want for a couple of weeks. Some of them were away on international duty and doing all good things. But just want to play a bit devil's advocate, right? I know know that we are bottom of the league right now. But Tom, do you think, was there anything at all that gave you a bit of glimpse of
3: like positivity, optimism for the games that are ahead? I I don't know if this does enough uh, or if I might just be getting carried away. But we had a good spell in the second half yesterday when we were pushing for that equaliser and our best football was coming when we were playing with a high press and our defence was pretty much camped on the halfway line, Blackburn couldn't get out. And on that run of play, I think it was right up until Bangura got injured. It only looked like one team were going to score and it looked like it was going to be us. And it looked a lot closer to, to what we had last season. Uh, We were playing, like I say, balls in behind through the channels. We were, able to kind of run on, it. We've been very aggressive and direct with our well, passing and the one example I remember of it is Hackney really kind of running, like driving at the defence and, and trying to unlock something. If we could play like that, more often the results would come, in my opinion. And I don't think that's something we have been doing for you know the first five games. I always think with some of the goals we've conceded and generally I would defend being quite passive and more kind of inviting them onto us and that's when the mistakes have started happening but if we can move move the ball up the pitch and press up with it and really kind of close the space then really what we've got to look out for then is you know the quicker players getting in behind and getting on the counter-attack but that is when the possession game really kind of comes back into it. And, you know, if you can't create something, you go back to the defense and recycle it, but you do it in their side of the pitch. It did look up until Bangura's injury to me like that was effective for us and we were going to get an equalizer. So that is something I think gives me hope. Like I say, if we can do that consistently now, I think the, the goals will follow. Dana, have you got anything?
1: Yeah, I agree with the second half. Well, it wasn't even funny the second half because we started the second half terribly. I think we lost possession of the ball within about 10 seconds. I didn't even see it. I just looked back up and all of a sudden Blackburn on the counter-attack. But I think I think the game stick kind of matters there because Bora had to be better. They were chasing the game. They were 2-0 down. Really funny the, the way that we scored, really, because it shouldn't have counted. Crooks was offside. I think Marcus Force. I think that was a shot initially, I think it's so Middlesbrough at the moment that we score from a really crap shot, if that was the case. Certainly look like it anyway. But probably the last 40 minutes of the game, I'd say Borough were better and they were probing. But to have 40 minutes of probing and being better and having one rather fortuitous goal to show for it is is very Middlesbrough at the moment, isn't it? So, And if I'm being honest... I think Boris should have probably been about 4 nil down at a point because Tyree Stalin had a chance where I think it was right in the goal mouth. Another thing that I didn't see. Do I even watch football matches at, at this point? Like, why do I keep mm. missing things? But yeah, he flashed that header wide and then Sam Gallagher, I thought that was the moment that Sam Gallagher was going to score when he glanced ahead header wide. So they should, probably should have been 2 up there. Then the, the two goals that they scored. I know the XG... Shows different, but I don't care, I'm going to ignore it because I think Borough weren't deserving of, of anything from that game. And in the end, the fact that we were only a goal away from snatching something from that match flatters us immeasurably because Blackburn deserved that win 100%. But yeah, back to the positive. <laughs> I think the, set, the, the 40 minute display in the second half was better, but does it really count for much when we kind of had to be better? I've argued that way on the podcast before where it's not that big of a positive if you simply have to be better than the performance that you put in prior to that but yeah let's put it down as a positive just because we need a positive at the moment don't we
2: yeah absolutely any positives on, on my front um not really many i think i don't think there was many <laughs> positives yesterday at all i think that, that first Half an hour, we should have re- the game should have been done and dusted. It should have been mm, to bed 100%. and should have been three, three or four nil, and I would have been like, "Yep, that that is the game for me." Like that should have been uh, what it was, but it's what it is. I think we just, I thought Bangura was quite bright yesterday. It gave us, he was a bit more advanced than we had seen previously from from Engel. Obviously, that's a that's a bonus. But I don't want to just, like give positives out for for being positive sake. So, like, I think there's a lot of stuff that we need to keep working on and. Get that one or two percent better every time we're on the pitch, and just try to get it, get it to click. And what I would say though was like, to, I'd like to see maybe O'Brien in a, in a deeper role, maybe against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Probably I would take House now as well. So um, there you go. That's my that's my uh, management uh, thing of the of the week. But I want to do something a bit more upbeat. Uh, well, not upbeat. It's, it's 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 just a fun stat because we got a, a stat from uh, our graphic designer Matt. So Matt's stat um, is I'm now calling it. <laughs> And he sent us a he gave us a really good message this morning, and he said, "So Bora this season have already conceded thirteen goals in the open six league games. The question is, how many games in fifteen sixteen season uh, did the Bora promotion winning side concede their thirteenth goal?" of the season. So, yeah, what game week do you, think, do you reckon we concede our our 13th league goal of the season in the 15 16 season? I'll give you a bonus point as well. It was uh, who, who would we concede that 13th goal against. But, oh,
1: God. Tom,
3: <laughs> where, what what game week do you think it was in that 15 sixteen season? Purely a guess based on the fact that our first two games, I think, were clean sheets that, that year. It was a nil all against Preston and then three nil against Bolton. I'm going to go with week 20. <laughs> Oh, game 20.
2: Yeah, um, game 20. And do you have a team that, that, scored, that scored a 13th goal? No. Um... Oh, <laughs> Great. You're going to have to
3: guess. Thanks, Tom. Cheers, Tom. Trying try to remember who was even still in the league at that point. Probably someone like Rotherham, wasn't it, or Blackburn? Okay. Dana, where are you going to go for? I've had
1: 25 in my head. 25 hmm. games. Oh, Jesus. Hull. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think.
2: Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was game week. You were very close then. It was game week 26. Um, oh,
1: you're kidding me. i <laughs> out. It was, I'll take
2: it that. Was, it was Bristol City away in the For 95th sure. minute. Burns scored and the assist was from... Aiden Flint in the ninety-fifth minute. So um, we were obviously top typical. of the table by then as well. Uh, Hull was second, so you were close then and we were on fifty-five points uh, from the twenty-six games. And we only conceded thirteen goals in that time. So how crazy is that? Uh, that I mean, look wow. at us. That that look was, and that's, it. and look at us now, You know, who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. Um, but I want to look at the fixtures. <laughs> ahead. I want to look at the fixtures ahead because you know we after yesterday's game. You know we still sit foot of the, the table with one point our next five games are, are really interesting for us look I want to hear how you feel about them um we've got Sheffield Wednesday, Southampton, Watford, Cardiff and then Sunderland as well these games feel pretty massive for me now but I've got a, a question in two parts come to you first Dana but how many points do you think we can get in those next few games and secondly how many points do you think we actually need in that time
1: um how many points are we gonna get I think we'll Oh, you know what we're going to have a shit off against Sheffield Wednesday I think that much is clear I think we'll I, I do think we'll beat them I think we'll beat Cardiff I think we're going to lose Southampton Watford and Sunday. so yeah in fact Cardiff there's going to be a draw in there somewhere I think actually so I'd be I'd say we'll get four points from that which is bad C-
3: Cardiff um, at all
2: I think so yes <laughs> yes I want I want to say yes
1: I'm going to gonna check. check this. What, does it, does think to, it
2: really matter?
1: I think, to be honest, if it's away from home against Cardiff, no, it is at home. Well, that makes me feel yeah. a little bit better. Because if it was away, it would be a dead set defeat. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about Cardiff. Even though I think re- of recent years, it's been better. But, yeah, I'm going to stick with, I think, four, four points, honestly, which is bad. Four
2: points out of five. Tom, what do you think? How many points do you reckon we can get?
3: Yeah, I'm gonna be optimistic and say eight. Um, yeah, I would say it's going to be a rubbish game on Tuesday, but we'll we'll squeak a result against Sheffield. That'll then give us the confidence to get a draw against Southampton, a home game. So I typically back us to do better in the in the home games anyway. Wofford will lose Cardiff, then I was winning that and draw against Sunderland just because I can't take us getting beat off them again.
1: It's Tony Mowbray though. Yeah. That's yeah, the thing. It it's a guarantee defeat
3: in it. Mm. Guaranteed defeat against Tony Moore in it.
2: I was our record against him horrendous. It's up there with Warnock as well for bad records. But for me, I think we can do all right. I reckon we'll beat Sheffield Wednesday. I'm feeling positive. Got to be positive. And I think we'll beat <laughs> Southampton as well because I feel like their defense it's worse than ours. It actually is probably worse than ours. I, I was watching them the other night against Leicester, and I was like, "Good grief." Um, you play very, very expansive, and once you get like counted against, there's just space everywhere, which was the same as Swansea last year. Um So I think we can beat them. So yeah, Dan doesn't look confident, but I think we'll get beat against Watford. <laughs> I, I think we'll. I feel com- slightly weirdly confident about Cardiff. I've always got that 2008 game or 2009 game where we beat us two nil um, in the quarter final of the FA Cup. So always a worry, then someone could be anything, couldn't it? It's a, uh, it's a derby, not a derby. <laughs> and if if they win, it is a derby. But yeah, I think the way they're playing at the moment, the party could edge it. And I think that's a bit frustrating for us, but you never know. These five games could change the whole season and we've seen it before and we'll, we'll probably see it time and time again this year in the championship. So, but let's move on. Um, let's do podcast questions because every week you get the chance to give us a question uh, via Twitter at Borough Scott Breakdown. Email breakdownhotmail.com, or by joining our telegram chat 365 Borough fans. Chatting nothing about Borough at all. The first question is from Matt Smith, and he says, what's happened to our defence? Leonard and Fry are certainly capable uh, centre-backs at this level. Is that our full-backs? Are we too lightweight in midfield? I'll take this one if you don't mind. Uh, I think it's mainly, well, I was saying earlier, I think it's the gap between the midfield and the defence, which gets us transitioned against. And then secondly we make a lot of individual errors, which is probably the reason why our defence is bad. But saying that our defence, under Mike Carrick, hasn't always been great anyway, we were just masking that with all the goals we were scoring on the other end. So, yeah, we have made improvements to some extent, but it's still very, very weak. Lenahan and Fry, they should be on paper, a good partnership. Matt Clarke, I'd be interested to see when he comes back. Does he get a, a spot uh, at centre half as well? And Vandenberg, I think, can definitely play there and he, he's very, very capable of playing there as well. So we, we do have the options, Dawn, to change things around. But I don't think it's our fullbacks. I think it's just the gap between the midfield and the defence, which is probably the reason why we look all at sea Defensively, next question is from Gockle, And he says, talk about Lewis O'Brien on the left. But he says, what's to borrow need from their wide players? Tom, would you like to take this one?
3: I think in that specific position, you need to, to be holding on to the ball long enough to, to let the, the left wing back overlap. Typically, that, that worked with Giles last season. I saw enough from, from Bangura yesterday actually getting over the halfway line from like Engel and, and making those overlaps to, to know that he can create in those positions. I'd like to see the same from Engel as well. See, I don't know how likely that's going to be on Tuesday considering Bangura went off injured, Engel's already injured. My kind of bold shout for that position would be try Isaiah Jones there. You know He came into the same under Warnock at, at left wing. He's played wing back under Wilder. I think he's he's got the capability to do it and be threatening that position. But in that left-sided position, I'd definitely say come inside a little bit more, leave the space for the overlapping uh, left full-back. If you can, try and create something centrally as well. I do think Riley McGree did, uh, did that very well when he was allowed in the team. On the right-hand side, I'd like to see more crosses coming in. Again, that's a position that would be ideal for Jones. Maybe Morgan Rogers can play there. I didn't particularly like seeing Silvera on, on the right-hand side, even though he is right-footed. I feel like his strength is, is really kind of cutting in. But it is going to require kind of more clever play and, and overlapping from the right-back and passing between them to, to create the space, which I think forced does quite well. I'm not a fan of seeing van den Berg at right back. I think he's going to be a very good centre-back because he, I think I said it on the last part, he's built like an absolute tank. He can, <laughs> at 19, he, he's, he can pretty much uh, shove anyone he wants off the ball. I just feel like he doesn't have the right attributes for for what we need of have a right back. Really, I think Tommy Smith did that quite well and, him and force have that good understanding on the right hand side ideally for me on the on the right hand side that's what what we'd see and i think force does that well so yeah that's that's what i'd be looking for from from both wide players
1: i think i'd like yeah, to and... see more of a 1v1 threat to be honest i know force is definitely surprised me since he's come in because i honestly shoehorned him as a finisher and that that was it But he can take players on. I just think that Borough would benefit, and I've said this in previous podcasts, from somebody that could get to the byline like Jones, that can knock it beyond a player, run into the space, get it to the byline, because I think we're dangerous from those situations, but we're not really doing that. So I think maybe having a more of a 1v1 threat direct goal on the outside rather than inside the playing style of a lot of Borough's wingers is to get at their fullback, but to cut inside and to try to either shoot or play that ball in centrally. And I just don't think that, like it's fine having that on the left, but just to complement it with something different on the right and maybe having that more direct threat against the fullback to get to the byline and uh, and put those balls in in the box. Because we don't really have someone, I know we scored from ahead with Latte Laugh, but I feel like, a lot of the players that we have are probably better at, like Crooks, for example, feeding off those scraps in the goal mouth. So, yeah, something that I just really want to see from Burris is having someone that, that can get to the byline and and cut that ball back into dangerous areas.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's just add an option, doesn't it? I think when you've got different strengths or different types of players in different positions, um, you do create different problems for an opposition to, to have. So, yeah, more of that would, would be really good. And also, I'm the same as you, Tom. I'd, I'd like to see, like, Vandenberg um, more central. I feel like from what you were saying to him there, like, I feel like we should start calling him, like, Rav Vanden Tank or something like that, it's just because, like, you know, he's built <laughs> like that. But, yeah, I'd like to see him more central. But then let's move on to the the, the final question. That's from SJ, and it says, uh, do you think Carrick's constant positivity about the team's performance is starting to frustrate uh concerned supporters, how long can he keep being positive about the performance if this run continues? Um, so do you think the supporters are starting to get a little bit frustrated about Carrick's uh, positivity, Dana?
1: I think they are. I definitely have seen a corner of of Borough's social media getting frustrated, but I've, I'd be more worried and frustrated if he was throwing the players under the bus, to be honest, because I think Carrick is the type of measured personality that, I think if he does go in on the players in the press, then something would probably be up. So I think he's well within his rights to try to keep things positive. I can obviously understand why that would frustrate supporters as well. I think supporters always want that raw honesty from a manager, but they're never going to get that, really. I think even when managers are perceived to be being honest, it's for a reason, like it's Mm -hmm. to send out a message or something. So... Yeah, I mean it. It is frustrating, but I just feel like that's the type of personality that Carrick is. Like he's very composed and he's not going to panic, like us fans will. Because I think he he's very good at disconnecting. Um, you know, you know, you're not a winner at Man United the amount of times that he was. If you panic, and like I've seen a few fans saying, "Oh, he'll walk. He hasn't been backed. He'll he'll leave. He'll quit." Like Michael Carrick is a winner and has been all throughout his career. You're not a winner if you quit. So. He's got to back his players and I'd be far more worried if he wasn't backing his players in the press because I think that would send alarm bells ringing for me.
2: Okay then, thank you very much for sending your questions uh, as always. But let's move on. And just before we move to the praise and place, I just want to notify a few people on the Borough Breakdown break shirt. Um, it's currently being embroidered at this moment, and it should be with you it's probably by well, we commence in eighteen September. So hopefully, that next week or the week after, the shirts will uh, arrive, and then we'll be back on sale as well. You know, we got a lot of uh, time and effort, and also embroidery in this one, so it took a little bit longer <laughs> than usual, um, but it will be with you guys very, very soon, and we do appreciate everyone that's bought um, a shirt as well. But let's move on. Let's go to the praise and Place. Butter! Butter! Ah, yes, the praise and Place. The praise and Place is the place where like to give praise to a player, coach, and staff member, the film Pretty Woman, and I don't know, Tom, anything that you've got on your mind deserves a bit of praise. But... <laughs> Dana, who is in your and place this week? Uh,
1: It's difficult immediately after a defeat because I feel like no matter who you put in there, it's kind of like, but why? But I will praise Dale Fry. I think Fry yesterday, I actually thought was good. There were a lot of times where he was stepping in, being aggressive, winning the, the duels. And yeah, I mean, he got done with that first goal. But to be honest, I've just put that down to really clever player, really clever dummy by uh, Sam Gallagher and Sammy Schmonix, to be fair, was, was fantastic for them yesterday. I don't think we've really given Blackburn a lot of credit, but I did, I liked their setup from a, like kind of putting my neutral perspective on yesterday. I thought they were popping one, twos past us at ease really. And I think the the way that, that Thomason has um, that team set up. At least for the majority of the game was, was pretty good, but I think Dill Fry was strong in his defensive performance, um, which is ironic because we're talking about like defensive frailties and such. But I think it's true that you can have defensive frailties and yet parts of your defense can have good performances. And I will also praise Senny Diang because I, you know, the, the goals that we conceded, you could probably say for the first time that he should have done better with them, but then in the second half, he bailed us out massively and he kept us in that game, and he was the reason why the score was kept down in the end. Um, that and some poor finishing from from Blackburn to really, really kill the game off. But he came up with some really big saves in that second half. And I think the thing with the praise of place, by the way, is that, you know, we're not giving out player of the match awards for these. It's just praising moments. And I think I'm going to praise uh, Senny Dieng for his saves and I'll praise uh, Dale Fry for um, some good defensive moments as well in that game yesterday.
2: Tom, who's going to get your place in the
3: present place this week? I'm going ahead and Hackney. Like I said, right at the start of the podcast, I feel like there's there's quite a few players there who were maybe lacking a bit of confidence and composure at the the key moments. I don't think he was one of them. Let's face it, coming back from international break where you've just made your your debut for England under-21s, you should be full of confidence, and he did look like that. Second half, especially constantly getting on the ball and you know driving through the, the midfield, looking to create... I feel like as as well being low on confidence, uh well, some players being low on confidence, it, it might be easy to to stop playing in the way you're being coached, uh especially you know, playing out from the back and stuff. He's never once looked like he was lacking confidence in doing that. He's always been, uh, you know, dropping deep to to get the ball and and play it off to to the full backs or, or the centre backs and you know try and beat the beat the press when it's there. So I think he's been very consistent in in what he does in in the team. And I thought yesterday was probably one of our only positive players. And as as a secondary, I'll put Marcus Force in there for. Again, also being a, a real kind of source of positivity in the team. Constantly kind of cutting inside, looking to to get a shot off. Had quite a decent one saved at the near post, as I remember. But um, yeah, I thought Hackney enforced for me.
1: Can I just say something about Hackney? Because he's, he's come mm-hmm. under some criticism after the game, I saw on social media. I will give him credit that at least he was trying to break through Blackburn's structure. A lot of people say that he was poor yesterday. And I I think that obviously he lost possession a lot of times, but he lost possession a lot of times because his teammates weren't moving. Like Honestly, there was a point in the first half where Hackney himself had the ball for about seven or eight seconds, which I feel like is a long time in midfield. And it was enough time for me to take my focus off him and look elsewhere around him. No one moved. How can a midfielder like Hayden Hackney that wants to progress the ball, progress the ball when the teammates aren't moving? Like, our players yesterday were playing stuck in the mud at points. Mm-hmm. We were just stood there. And so how can a midfielder really influence a game in the way that you want him to when no one around him is giving him the option to pass? And I think from that move, he ended up passing it back to, to Dale Fry. So... Yeah, amongst many other frustrating things of that game, the lack of movement was one of them, and the slow tempo was another. But it all culminated that way because collectively, you know, we weren't moving. We weren't moving. We weren't trying to increase the pace of the game. And, yeah, Hackney's come under criticism, but if you don't move. (laughs) like Honestly, it's like mannequins in Primark out there on Ewood Park yesterday. It was crazy how, like... Just stuck, we were. It was frustrating to watch, but yeah, I'll just put that in there.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's very frustrating to watch, and just on just on light laugh as well. Like when I mean, it turns like movement and stuff, I would quite like, like Light lighter laugh just to just stand offside for long periods and then come back into the come into the game just to give the defender something to think about. Because I feel like sometimes you play when you play in front of the defender too much, he always knows where you are and you try. You can like know where your movement's going to be. Stand offside. Just before that second pass comes into it, the second, the, the last pass before you, you come to him, just run around the defender, and then I mean, that's no, like a, a very simple thing to do, but like it's um, it's just something that I just gives like another team something to think about. Do you know
3: what I mean? Like I just, I just feel like we just need to keep start doing more like that. But I was going to say, just to add on about uh, laugh, I do wonder if he's got a very similar thing to, you know, um. Back when Pulis was manager and, you know, you had uh, Traore and everyone saying kind of like lack of end product and he ended up having that sprint coach coming in and essentially telling him to slow down so he can kind of think more. <laughs> I wonder if he could benefit from kind of the same sort of coaching because it does seem like every everything he does and every decision he makes is like at 100 mile an hour. Like the whole, um, mm. you know, taking a good first touch yesterday, then taking another one to try and take it past the goalkeeper. Fair enough. That, that could be um, a confidence thing. Might be having six one on one say by Begovic the, the match before. <laughs> he's maybe thinking, I don't want to shoot in case the same thing happens again. But it does always seem like he's, he's always making those decisions as fast as he's running. Whereas if he could slow down and just get a little bit more composure, he might. Uh, you know, improve as a as as a striker, and and potentially, you know, the stand side thing could play in, into that as well. If he's just kind of really slowing down and thinking about it more, and and using his pace at the right moment rather than, uh, you know, all the time.
1: He's a bit of an overthinker yeah. though, isn't he? Because, and I think this is what I've taken from Light Laugh. I like a lot of his game. I think he's, uh, you know, a, a bit of a bustly forward. Um, he has that small stature, but he can outmuscle defenders and he's quick. And I do think that he's the one yesterday that, and throughout this season actually, is the one that has actually tried to make those moves. A lot of the time he hasn't been spotted. But I think it's very clear, and I don't care if it's early for me to say this, that he's not a natural finisher because he overthought that one-on-one yesterday by taking that extra touch. He's probably been guilty of overthinking other one-on-ones that he's missed. He's not an actual finisher. He'll probably get was like 10, 11 goals this season, in my opinion, that's my guess. But I don't think he's that, kind of ruthless forward he'll do a lot of good work don't get me wrong and I do like a lot of his game but when it comes to finishing we've seen at or at least I think I've seen enough now to put my neck on the line and say that he's not an actual finisher and that might be controversial like that isn't me writing him off outright as I said I think he will get us goals I just don't I think if people are expecting Latte, Latte to get us like 20 goals or maybe even 15 goals I think maybe expectations need to be lowered. He gets it with good positions. I'll give him that. But I just don't think he he has that instinctiveness when he's in front of goal um, to be properly ruthless. I think we've seen enough chances or I've seen enough chances to come to that conclusion.
3: Mm.
2: I think the fact that he does all, all that good work and does get actually get into positions? I think this, it's just a time where it might click, and I think that's when we'll hopefully start to see the, the best out of him. In terms of my present place, I was actually going to go with the for just his saves yesterday, and then I, I was again. Marcus Foss, I thought he's just he just just such a direct player. And I, think, I would like to see him up top as like a two with like laugh as well, just to see how it would just you know work off because laugh does a lot of good uh, off the ball work. Marcus Foss is that finisher. Let's see how it could, how it could potentially work. Mm-hmm. But um, let's move on. Let's move on to Sheffield Wednesday for are uh, in-the-bottom-of-the-table clash against... Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think I'd be, I'd be saying that um, at the start Can't of the season. Yeah. But we spoke to James Mapping from Wednesday Till I Die podcast to find out a little bit more about Sheffield Wednesday's summer and the start of their season.
0: Hi, it's James from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Yeah, summer. Well, it was certainly eventful for us. Obviously, we've had... The playoffs, which I'm sure everyone's seen, coming back from four goals down against Peterborough, winning in the last minute at Wembley, you know, absolutely epic scenes and, and games that I'll remember for for a lifetime. We're on a high. We were absolutely buzzing after that. Fast forward to now, and yeah, that all that excitement has just vanished. Yeah, Darren Moore's gone. We brought in Cisco Munoz. The transfer window, I'll be perfectly honest, hasn't been great. There's been some exciting signings, but none have uh, tried and tested. On transfer deadline day, we did bring in uh, some decent additions. Jeff Hendrick from Newcastle uh, and John Buckley from uh, from Blackburn. Excited to see what they can do. We've not seen them yet. Obviously, recording this just before the weekend game uh, against Ipswich as well. Um, we're five games in, one point, four defeats and a, and a draw... The draw coming last time out against Leeds United. Look, it's going to be a hard slog this season. You know, uh, I think most fans thought we had a squad that were perhaps good enough to to finish mid-table. I think it's clear now that we're going to be in a relegation dogfight bit surprised to see you boys down there as well i did tip you for for coming in the automatic promotion places at the start of the season so um you need to you know you've got some work to do to avoid me having the egg on my face with uh, with that one but yeah the, the season so far is it's been awful the performances haven't been great yes we've played two of the relegated sides in Southampton and Leeds already but like I said, the performances just haven't been good at all. Cisco doesn't know what his best eleven is. He doesn't know what his best formation is. We've played about four or five different formations already, uh, including the Cup games. I think he's used something like 19 or 20 different players in his starting eleven so far, which it's just not great. And, you know, the pressure is mounting. Pressure is mounting on the chairman as well. A lot of people uh, want him to sell the club. And, yeah, I just didn't think there would be in this situation right now, uh, after you know the euphoria of winning at Wembley, um, it's just a bit of a sad state, really, and uh, not one that, like I said, I, that I thought would be in. That being said, I think there has been improvements in the performances uh, since the start of the season. However, the bar hasn't been set very high at all. Uh, we're not scoring enough goals. We're not conceding a great deal. Hull being the outlier where we conceded four, um, but that was just a, a bit of an abysmal display. You know, we, we held leads to an nil-nil draw. Southampton had to score in the 87th minute to beat us. Uh, we conceded a last-minute goal on, uh, and a penalty against Cardiff to lose that game. So we have been close. We should have more points than what we've got at the moment. But yeah, Tuesday against you boys is going to be a big test. In terms of a prediction, um it's a difficult one. I think at the start of the season, looking at the, this fixture, I was probably thinking a draw would be a, a fantastic result, um, given that, as I've said, I predicted you boys to to finish in the top two at the end of this season. Having said that, you've had a poor start of the season. It's one where we could potentially capitalise. I think it's going to be a tight game. I don't think it's going to be a free-flowing game. I think there'll be quite a few few nerves on the show, uh, given that, you know at the time of recording it's uh, second bottom versus bottom but yeah i think my heart i'll go with my head and my heart because my my heart is saying that we could potentially nick a win uh, maybe a 2-1 win my head is probably saying it's going to finish as a 1-1 draw i hate to say it and i didn't think it would be but is it is it a relegation six points i'm sure you're not going to think it's it's that but you know it's a, a chance for us to 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 get some points on the board against a side that's that's clearly struggling so yeah it's going to be one that i'm looking forward to um season ticket holder of course i'll be i'll be there on tuesday night and uh, fingers crossed hopefully we've already got a win by then but if we haven't uh, fingers crossed the the win comes on tuesday cheers guys and uh, all the best for the rest of the season
2: you, James, um, and just a disclaimer that they, they didn't win. Um, and it is uh, bottom, <laughs> second bottom, uh, on, on, on Tuesday night. And it's a big, big game, in, in my opinion. And hopefully, we can go there and try and get three points. But let's, let's get your predictions, uh, Tom. How are you feeling about this one? I'm assuming
3: it's a must win, but what's your prediction as well? I'm going to Wambora. Um, As I mentioned earlier, and in, in the earlier question, I've, I've, I think we we can get a win against them. Would really be interested to see our our lineup on Tuesday. Uh, is something I'd like to see to see if Football Manager's right or not. Is Greenwood coming in for Crooks? Because spoiler for anyone listening, who's a Football Manager player, Greenwood is quality on footy Manager, so hopefully he's in real life as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going. Uh, <laughs> Going say 1, one Borough against them. Uh, 2 1 Lenahan, anytime as well. Dana,
1: uh, what's <laughs> your
2: prediction?
1: I'm going to say the same. I'm going to go 2 1 to us. Um, in terms of goal scorers, oof. Rogers scored against Bolton, didn't he? So I can't say Rogers again. I, the whole I'm going to say Rogers to score until Rogers scores didn't really last very long. <laughs> um, Oh, dear me. I think, lastly, last. No, actually, I don't. Hackney and oh, I agree. Let's we'll go okay. for us.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go two nil as well, and I'm gonna let go laugh on the double. I can see it. He's gonna, he's gonna look like the prime striker that we we bought him for. I um, hope even though he's so. been, oh, he, really he has been, he has been good though. To be fair, He has. just you know, finishing the speed it's in front of yeah. goal yeah. yeah it's just classic I mean, boris what striker
1: playing. then
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what i mean we were we were blessed last year so it doesn't really matter to mm. us but guys thank you very much uh for joining me as always and to the viewers and the listeners viewers on youtube don't forget to give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel helps get found and also uh to our podcast provider people um who listen to us and go this podcast is pretty good give us a five star rating helps us get found charted and all that fun stuff especially the ones on spotify and um, we're on 400 i think no i think just off 399 uh, so get us to 400 that'd be great the so borough are bottom and can we get off the foot of the table i really really hope so this has been the Bora breakdown podcast and that was like brought my chatter chat in a pod Up the borough breakdown